0: If you're an average player, you wanna be left alone, all right? Cause you wanna be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you wanna
1: be coached. If you're a great player, you want to coach and tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that
0: play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You wanna know every play. Cause you know why? They wanna be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in VCE Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Always at the table, my good friends to the right, the CEO and the the... The founder of the GOAT family of brands, my good friend Tyler Burnett. Tyler, we're glad you're here today, all the way in the sprinter, all the way yes. up I-24. <laughs> Low traffic. We're in for the for the long haul today. And to the left with the shirt that says 2020, bless your heart. We we'll call talk him. About the, that. We call him the LinkedIn Whisperer, Captain Kent Sugi, my man, mm. the calming force to our show, John Byers.
2: Thank you. Very
0: nice. We also have another person that's in, not in studio, but joining us at the table all the way from the Lockton World Headquarters, Peter F. Kloon. We heard the F stands for fun, and uh, we'll bring <laughs> yes, you in in did. just a second to, to <laughs> talk about that. But let's tee it up first. We are the Goat Consulting Podcast. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. We're like Waffle House. In our 20s, they teach us to get in the game. In our 30s, they teach us to move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because those 30-year-olds are so damn good. In our 50s, what the research says, we finally ask ourselves, what is it that I really want? We hope that today at the table, you'll take part of this conversation and say, what is it that you really want from it today? And then it's about the GOAT, or the greatest of all time. In sports, it's easy to see. It's people that are recognized for their greatness. They elevate the play of those around them. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. What they do gives them energy and it gives other people energy, creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And John, you were so gracious enough to bring Peter to the studio today with us. And I'm going to turn it over to you as, yeah. as our friend says and let you do all the hard work there. Spencer Thompson, where is he today? He's coming. He is coming. All right. So I'm going to turn it over to you. And Peter, uh, we appreciate you being here, John. I'm going to let you take it from there.
2: Yeah. So what a what a treat to get to uh, have you, Peter, and, and have you join us. And you know who knows. A lot of times, these episodes will the the topic the 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 name of the episode will come come out as we <laughs> as we move through. But I just kind of thought maybe this the name of this could be Pete from Corporate. I hear you <laughs> oftentimes introduce jokingly in some ways yourself. The irony in that is how uncorporate Lockton really is. Maybe we'll get to that uh, at some point. But uh, currently, you are the chief executive officer for Lockton, who is the world's largest privately held insurance brokerage firm. And that's super cool. And uh, you also are the first non-Lochton family member to ever take the reins. And I guess that means you're the goat of the non in <laughs> CEOs of Lockton, right? Absolutely. Is that kind of like in 1998 when I competed in the Georgia Olympics as a wrestler and I and I won first, but I was the only person to yeah, be in my it's, class?
0: It's the same but different. That's right.
2: <laughs> so... Uh, Peter, welcome. It's so, so good to have you. I, I could go on and on through your cool bio and some of the great stories that we have. Hopefully that'll come out throughout uh, here, but thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I will give one clarification. One of my great mentors was John Lamello.
2: Mm. And
1: John Lamello was the CEO as a non locked ah. So over the 56 years, I'm the second. I just didn't, I don't want to kind of start off with a lie or (laughs) self-embellishment I mean, those I already or, have some. Hey, I already had some other self embellishments, so I didn't want to start with one that I, you I really didn't feel like.
2: You can't let the facts ruin a good story. That's okay, right. we just got to go with it. I love, <laughs> I love
1: it. I love it. I love it.
0: Thank Thank you for already that. putting John in his place. Thank you for that. We need that from time to time. <laughs> there, you go. there you go.
2: Well, we're so excited to have you in this conversation. Love the red uh, ish jacket that you're rocking today. And you're kind of known, by the way, for some of your um, your hot attire over the years. So maybe we'll talk about that along the way. But one of the ways that we honor our guests, Peter, is we ask them to catch us up to today. Literally, this day, this moment, this seat that you're sitting in. And maybe you do that with three or four moments that really help describe how you got to this day in your career, your life, your family. So good to have you. Ready, go. Sure.
1: Ready, go. Well, first of all, I'd say, I think my story probably won't be as exciting as some of the other guests that you've had, but I think that there are, I think we're all on these similar journeys going through life. So I think there's also, there'll be some real similar parallels to what I'm mm. sure each of you and, you know, most of your listeners have been through, you know, I think on my story, the, the one big, big key to who I am today comes from coming from a big, Catholic family in Kansas City where my dad had 11 brothers and sisters and my mom had nine. And those aunts and uncles, as you'd go to family reunions or Christmas parties or Thanksgivings, that's where you really kind of learn how to talk on your feet yeah, but If you brought a girl, if you brought a girlfriend to the party, they're like <laughs> making fun of you, making fun of her, asking where your <laughs> other girlfriend's at. And you just, as a kid, you're kind of like freaked out to even, <laughs> you know, what you wear, what you're going to say. But then you get to watch and emulate them and mm. see how they make people laugh, how they connect with people, how they treat their parents. And so I just, the family and the mentors and the role models I had all here in Kansas City um, was a really... Really big part. And then also, gosh, I grew up, I went to all boys high school, Rockers High School here in Kansas City. And the, I still today have a group of, you know, 20 of us that it gets together regularly. And so that long term friends that kind of keep you in check, that never let you get too high, really never get, let you get too high or low, that show up for you when you're, you know, going through a hard time. But that, that relationships of, of extended family and extended friends, I feel like it's such an advantage. And it has, it has really helped make me who I am today. Um, and then, you know, you look career-wise, I was the guy I got out of college. I did like school. I wasn't a good student. Even my first job out of college was a sales job. But I was probably still then more worried about playing softball with my friends or still going out and drinking. I mean, just still kind of acting like a college kid. And it it, it didn't go great. Um, and I remember I changed to another firm um, two years in, I went to work for a Zurich owned company, Universal Underwriters. And I started like in May and it was luck, but I landed like three huge deals. And at this new company, everybody was like, God, this is the best salesperson that's ever lived. And he's going to win top gun. And he's only been here for four months. Um, and I was like, gosh, I've never really had anybody performance wise talk to me as being one of the best. And so I actually started running maybe faster than I had before. Cause I didn't want him to realize like, Hey, this this guy's not really that good. I'm still waiting so on somebody to really, have that
2: conversation with me.
1: That's right. <laughs> By the that's right, way. That's right. It's yet to be Sit seen. Down, John, listen, yet. it's time.
0: It'll happen when this I really afternoon.
1: Took off, I took off as hard as I could, and after a couple of years, they were looking for someone to open up an office in Minneapolis. And quite frankly, no one the company wanted to move to Minneapolis and my dad always told me, like, you, you know, you're, you're going to have to move around if you yeah. want to really reach your full potential. And again, I took that position and went up there really focused and built one of that best offices and then got, you know, moved up to come down and you know, run the country for that firm. Mm. And then I joined Lockton in 06, and that was taking over another team in the St. Louis office, and again, I'm a young leader at that time, starting, you know, not effective, wearing a white tie, <laughs> kicking the trash can when you're mad. I think but that really, white tie, by uh,
2: the way, like is is a is a legacy in St. Louis. Like, what what would you share with us about that the infamous white white beautiful
1: I just, tie? I just think I was I was coming into like this kind of button down blue suit organization or industry really like you know the boring insurance you know back then you either wore a blue or a black suit and I was more like this today right just is going to be a, a fun sport coat and I just think people were kind of like you know that's that's a we little don't do that here <laughs> that, 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 that we don't really do that here and no one really told me so they were all talking about it you know kind of I think it was kind of the joke well then times changed a little and then I kind of looked like this pioneer because dress went less casual and people wore different things. And so luckily they didn't tell me because I probably would have stopped. But I think for the first couple of years there, they were like, gosh, who is this kid they brought in here? (laughs) Peter, I, I
0: think
1: think growing as a leader, they moved me back to Kansas city. I'm from Kansas city. So to get to come home to Kansas city, when I came back and two after running St. Louis for five years, the next seven or eight years, I worked for the, the family working with the series, but I didn't have any direct reports. I didn't, I just helped the offices either recruit or, you know, go out and build the business. But everyone's like, what do you do? And I think that's where Pete from corporate started where I'm like, oh, you guys, I'm from corporate, you know, we're here to, we're here to help. But I think you realize with no real title and that's no right. real authority, because we're a decentralized company, you have to just bring value by understanding the offices and how you can help. And there's a servant leadership to that. Um, and so I think five years ago, after being Pete from corporate, you know, I became COO of the U.S. business. And then two years ago, I became CEO of Lockton Inc. Um, but I'm not sure the titles even matter. I think it's just, you're just leading different, bigger teams. Um, and so I think it's been good. You, you mentioned a couple a couple moments in life that, that stick out that helped, you know, create who I am. And mm-hmm. I think one of them, um, so I have three daughters. My wife has rheumatoid arthritis. So we had our first oldest daughter, Lily. You know, we, we had her, but because of the medicines that you can you go on with that, um, they're good medicines, but they're not pregnancy tested, so we decided to adopt.
2: Mm.
1: So long story short, when we went through the adoption process. We went through a place called American adoptions where you put your book together, the family picks you. we went up to Cleveland and met this family that was going to adopt our daughter, it's just a, a, a man and a woman and they weren't married. She was a foreign exchange student that didn't go back to Brazil. He's US that just got out of the military, didn't really have a job. We went up and met with them. They're super nice. They picked us. She has a C-section. So we go up to get the baby. And I think on the way up there, you're thinking, gosh, I hope, I hope this family doesn't change their mind because mm-hmm. we've already, you know, planned, told people, Had they cho- did they choose you before we- you went up to, to
2: visit so with we them? We went
1: up and did a, we went up and did like a visit where they interviewed us and went to dinner. So they picked us. So we knew five months ahead of time, you know, working with them that we were going to be the parents. But for whatever, 30 days after you yeah. can change your mind is the is the birth mother, which they should be able to. But at the time, it was all about us for yeah. me. Like, I hope they don't change their mind. This is, you know, we've gone through all this time. And when we were up there that week, you know, she had a... She had a C-section, so first of all, if you just have the normal child through normal labor, the parents leave. But with the C-section, you're all in the hospital together. Mm-hmm. So like, there's the four parents in the room. It kind of felt like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, you know, when they're all the parents are all around that one bed, but you're all in there for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, and I'd take him home, and you'd see where they live, and they didn't have washer and dryer, and you're just taking him to go do their laundry. So when his you know, girlfriend gets home, she has her laundry done and you're at the laundromat realizing how hard this is. Mm. Then they get released. What year go was to this? Lunch.
2: What year was this, Peter? This is
1: 2008. Okay. 2008. But then you go to lunch and this is the point. After lunch, you go back and you pulled up to drop them off. And the mom's in the backseat kind of crying talking you know saying goodbye to her child and now you like are leaving realizing like did i just did i just take their child mm. because i have you know more financial means did i just am I, am I leaving with this person's baby almost but it flipped and it and it it really impacted me and understanding how fortunate i am and maybe how unfortunate others are and it had an impact that's that, that i still think about one other piece on that: I have two daughters that were adopted. Two years later, uh, that same adoption agency called and said that the same couple was pregnant, and wow. they wanted to know if we would like the child. Now, my name is Peter Clune the Third, and my only rule for my dad and grandpa was to have Peter the Fourth. So I'm thinking, hey, this is it. This is Peter the Fourth. Right. And so. They're like, well, it's a girl. So I was like, God, I'm not sure if we want another girl. And my (laughs) wife, my my wife, then said, no, no, no. Yes, heck yes. We want a girl. Mm. So I have three daughters and those two are biological sisters and are fantastic. But that whole process um, has just made an impact, not only on less fortunate, but kids and kids in poverty and kids that are neglected you know, really changed how I think of things. Um, Can we camp so on that day. for
2: just a second? Um, because you and I relate a little bit to the adoption story. We've got a daughter who we've adopted also and totally relate to all, everything that you were sharing there. And my the adoption actually came shortly after I started with Lockton too, which which I didn't realize that yours was post-Lockton. So that's really neat. But I, I have a question around that. Like, do you, are there lessons for you – through that process that you just described that transfer to the role that you sit in today at Lockton? Cause I can make up some stuff based on what I heard you just say, but I'd be super interested. Do you think about that? And what would you say to that?
1: Listen, I think that I started talking about my family, my friends, my experiences take this experience. I think how we show up at work and how we act is a, it's a, a reflection of all these experiences. That makes me more aware, really wanting to give back to the community. It makes me more aware of our benefits to our people having children, the adoption benefits. It makes me more aware of giving back to the community. It's, it's such a good, our founder, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, he got a lot of things right. His point of giving back to the community and helping those most in need, because I think this was a turning point for me when I maybe started thinking about others more than myself. And I think that in as a leader, that's what it is, is 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 As a young leader, you think it's you. When's my promotion? What am I going to do next? And then there's some time that clicks that you're like, that has nothing to do with me. Mm. It's all about the people. It's all about the teams. It's all about, you know, that 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 their journey. And I think that was a that was a even my mindset, like I mentioned before. I hope they don't change their mind. We've already told people, you know, know, we've we've, we've 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 bought the baby bed already, and then you leave there like almost sick to your stomach that knowing that this mom is making a selfless decision for her baby. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, I think it did change me as a person. I think it changes me as a leader.
2: That's very cool. I want to tell, I want to bring up one other thing that you, the story that I've heard, there's lots of Clune stories out there that are really special. <laughs> uh, but this one was back in 2006. Again, probably you were wearing the white tie when shortly after you started, a couple of the guys took you and your wife on vacation, uh, St. John's or somewhere, I believe. I, John's Island, maybe? I can't remember. Yes. And you were really fearful that because you guys were having a good time, they extended the vacate. They wanted to stay a few extra days. And like you're leading this whole series region of the company and you were really afraid because you were the quote unquote new guy that you were going to get in trouble because you stayed a few extra <laughs> a few extra days on vacation so i'm just curious like as you fast forward now that you are um the the in the role that you're in the largest you know privately held firm in the world like <laughs> are there still ways that you feel like I can't do that? I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, how's that evolved?
1: You know, I'll tell you a story that happened this week and it was, I brought my, my oldest daughter came home from Arkansas. She's going to be a junior and she's going back down. She got a great job in labor and delivery. She's in nursing at a hospital to live there for the summer. So she's just here these couple days and her friends aren't home from school yet. And I was leaving on a work trip for our, you know, 500 people going to Florida for the Employee Benefits Conference. And she's like, can I come? Oh, wow. I wanna come. I've never been on a business trip with you. You know, we went out of town. Um, and I was like, gosh, I'm, I'm the one over the years that was like, people call and they're like, can we bring our dogs and our families and grandma? I'm like, well, I, mean, I think you can, but it's, it's a business trip. So I had this like anxiety that I was bringing my daughter on the trip. And so I started off my presentation by saying, I really didn't have permission, but (laughs) I brought Lily and I'll make sure that I pay for all of her food. And everybody laughed and it went through there, but there is, there is this piece, right. That you want to make sure that you're not setting rules for yourself that are different than Mm -hmm. the rest of the group. And there is something too, that, I think you get more comfortable modeling the behavior that if someone could bring their child on a work trip, be fantastic. Mm. And so I think, I think those same, I think that of, of wanting to stay longer was more about I just started and I'm on vacation and now these guys are saying we're going to take more time off. Yeah, It didn't feel right back to the team.
0: God, I resonate so much with that being the CEO of my company
2: and I, I adopted three girls as well. So that's unique. Wow. Um, but I have that same feeling, you know, it's like, golly, I want to go do this. But I feel like that if I do this, I'm going to be looked at this kind of way. And I want to be the leader. And everything you just said, is such a unique feeling. You you know, you're like, well, you know, I have the authority to kind of do whatever I want. But at the same time, that's what people think, right? Well, he can do he can do whatever he wants. But at the same time, we're constantly thinking, I got to lead by example. And I got to do all the things that you just mentioned. It's a it's a unique perspective a unique position to be in no question um, i think that speaks to the uncorporate nature of the firm that that you lead right at lockton and and some of the things i, I imagine we'll get into in a few minutes around how that was very intentional and set up and in a very intentional way at that time i mean at least when you started you were learning that that's some of the culture when i started it was only a week that I had been here where we got the call, completely unexpected, like your adoption story, where it was like, hey, can you be in Arkansas tomorrow morning? I've got your daughter. She th- she's three days old. Can you come get her? And, and I was supposed to be on a plane to St. Louis the next day. And I remember calling Kevin McDaniel and, and Dan Leary and saying, hey, like I can't be there. And they said, no, you can't be here. Go get your daughter. And then a few hours later, once we have her and I sent them a picture, I get a picture back because it was a state of the company meeting, 400 people in the audience, and a picture of our daughter on the screen, and it says, congratulations, John and Vanessa. And all of this talk around Lockton being a community-centered, family, uh, culture type of a company all came true for me in that moment, and I thought they really meant what they said. And I think you probably could resonate with some of that, too, especially with having having Lily there with you this week. So, um, Peter, one of the ways that we honor our guests is we ask them to give us their definition of a goat. Would love to hear yours and then share a goat, two or three. Sometimes we've had people share a goat moment. Um, Zima, in fact, was a goat at one point. So oh, I miss those days. <laughs> people, place, things. Give Simpler us your definition times. of a goat and then uh, share a goat with us if you would, please.
1: Sure. I mean, my, my definition is probably not as sophisticated as a lot of the answers you get because I think the goat, like you guys say at the beginning of your pieces, it's not just the greatest athlete. It, there's so many different roles. Mm hmm teacher, right? And so mine, the the goats that I look up to has this combination first of someone reaching their full potential. And so when I really think about someone reaching their full potential, that might be different for somebody with their full potential is from where their starting point was. You know, I, I was I saw some article the other day where this lady's holding this malnourished child feeding it water and then you see the same picture with that child at 15 years old oh wow. going to school and working the job and you're just like oh my gosh how, how did how did that child reach that potential so I think it's it has this combination of full potential something around a unique path or they took risks or they just they didn't they didn't just follow the way everyone else did things, and then the third was there's some sort of a positive impact. It made what they did had a had a positive impact on on the other people, on the community, on society as a whole. But I think when you look at those three things, where that person is reaching their potential, their way in service of others, mm. that's really how I kind of that's how I. Define it. And me defining it, I'm not sure I love Just it. How others would.
2: No, I like it. Their potential, their path. Their way. Their, their way. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah, I put stuff. chase chase their dream, however, on their own That's path, good. you know? I like it. All right. Here's your goat, your goat moment. Who who or would you say would fit that definition Listen, for you?
1: So you know, at the, at the beginning of COVID, so I was CEO on May 1, it was two years. Which, by the so way, the couple- I haven't
2: said this yet, but this shirt, it says, 2020, bless your heart. That's something we say down in the South here. And I wore it for you because you took the reins, like you're yeah. just describing, May 2020, and then immediately almost announced that we're shutting things down for a while. So I wore this for you, <laughs> 2020, bless your heart.
1: There you go. And I, I just say this, you know, if I was starting May 1, you know, the, the three to four months before you're kind of preparing for the role. Well, the three to four months before May 1 was, you know, February, March and April. And we were making decisions that as they were coming up, I didn't I actually had second thoughts on if I could do the role. When I had anxiety when people were saying, sure. you know, should you send people home? Because you also had extremes on both sides. People like you can't, you know, when you were first saying let's stop international travel, people are like, You can't do that. You know. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, people are like, if you let people go to the office, they could, you know, all die. And so as I as these decisions really heated up, I was I was not. I was freezing a little bit and I was, I was working. I just began working with a coach. Maybe we talking about this a little bit, Simon Sinek and Simon Sinek started asking me questions about Lockton and he was saying, tell me about Lockton, the values, and the beliefs and the answers I gave him. He was like, huh? those answers aren't very good. Like you work there. Like it's, <laughs> this sounds like a brochure. And I'm, you know, always a consultant tells you that you're like stupid consultant, <laughs> you know, but he, but he pushed me harder to ask for whatever you could find. Mm. I'm like, I've Googled like He goes, no, ask. It's amazing. As I kept asking, I on my phone have 50 hours of Jack Lockton what was he saying at the end of the 84 state of the companies when there were $7 million, 85, 88, 90, 95, 2003. I was, he gave speeches to clients. So I have these the speeches that he gave, a bunch of articles and radio interviews. And as I really look back to start to understand Jack, it happened one night I was sitting there, and I had these two articles and one was written in 1986 and one was written in 2003, right before he died of cancer, by the way. So he founded the company. We've been here 56 years. He dies, um, in 2004, but if I'm looking at the, of cancer, but as I'm looking at these two articles, one of them is 1986 for 9 million. The other one was 250 million, you know, almost two decades later. And I'm reading them and I'm like, he's, he's saying the same thing.
2: Hmm.
1: Like these, these quotes, like I feel like I say like different stuff every 90 days and he is decades later saying the same thing. And the more I realized it is he got a lot of things right early on. And, you know, you, you said earlier, we're the only privately held firm billion dollar privately held firm in our business. He is he is saying we are going to stay private in 1986, where they're like 22 people above a dry cleaner, and he's making this passionate speech that we you know that will never go public. And I'm like, like who's trying who's trying to take you public? Like you're it's 20 people above a dry cleaners, mm-hmm. um, but he he was saying that if we really, really wanna give this unbelievable client focus, that you were gonna have to have a caring culture, a different culture than people have ever experienced. And he thought if you went public, that eventually that focus on the people and the client would become an inconvenience on the way to a shareholder return. In a financial services business, that was his belief.
2: Mm.
1: And so he talked about it nonstop. He also, one of his great quotes when they're asking him, what's he think about all the successful people that Lockton's created? He quotes one of his mentors, Ewing Kaufman, who used to own the Royals in Kansas City. And he says, you know, it's no fun to drink champagne alone." And not only do they stay private, they take a margin that's a third of what our competitors do. And that lower margin leaves more money in the system to take care of our people and their families. And he made this deal in the mid eighties, and it's still there today. And so when I look at the GOAT, when I talk about someone who reached the potential, I can't believe this, this guy started with just, he quit an insurance company in 1966 and joins his parents as their one sales rep. Yeah. And now we're at this, Three billion dollar firm, ten thousand people around the globe, and when I look, really ask myself, you know, why is Lockton having the success? It really goes back to the, the five or six things he got right. I almost feel like the pressure is off me. He, you know, it's almost a letdown when someone does a podcast or a, an interview with me because they're waiting for some big, you know, merger and acquisitions, McKinsey strategic plan. And I'm talking about caring culture, intense client focus, staying private at a lower margin. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things he got really right early in his office upstairs, there's this letter on the wall. And it's a guy named Carl Harris quitting to join Jack. And the letter is Carl Harris to the firm, the Glen Falls insurance company that he's quitting. But he's basically in the letter saying, I'm quitting Because you guys pushed all of the decisions to corporate. Mm. You pushed all of the empowerment, everything there. He's like, who but the people out closest to the client really know what we need? And that that letter sits on Jack's wall, but Jack right then in in 69 says, we will never become a firm that the, the bunch of corporate people at the center are making rules of what our clients need. We'll build a system Yeah, we'll set the values and we'll set the philosophies about how we treat people in the client focus, but we will empower the people closest to make those decisions. And when you look, when we look at it today, I mean, the reason you join is people want to be able to make decisions. They want to be able to take care of their clients. They want to be cared for. They like that we're private. We don't have a bunch of reports that we're doing rather than serving the client. And none of that's me. I picked Jack as the goat because he got some things right that, at scale, by the way, are actually they're becoming more. They're becoming. They seem. He seems smarter today than even at the time.
2: Certainly ahead of his time, and consequently, you know, as was released this week. I mean, Lockton's got. A ninety-seven percent client retention rate, whereas the average is eighty-four percent in our industry, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive. So, but he certainly follows your definition, reaches full potential, and maybe maybe that has perpetuated over the years, even since he's passed away. Carved his own path, his own way, yeah, and positive right.
0: impact. Uh, well, I mean, I, you know, I think for Jack Lockton, it was it was his path, his potential, and his way, and and you seem to be. Someone that continues to see not only the importance of that way back when, but the the importance of that uh, today. And uh, do we are we ready to take a break here? I think
2: we're gonna we're gonna wind it down for let's, a second. Let, let's wind. Is, it. Will you hang out with us and we can finish this conversation?
0: Absolutely. Uh, so for Tyler Burnett and for my good friend John Byers and for Jack Lockton, his path, his potential, his way, Peter, we appreciate you being here, and we'll be right back in just a second. This is the Go Consulting Podcast.